When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trade Deadline edition of the Fenway Rundown podcast presented by Mass Live. I'm your host, Chris Cotillo, joined by my colleague, Chris Smith, uh, my co-beat writer. And obviously, we have a lot to get to. It's been a couple weeks. The last time we were on here, we had Kyle Hart ahead of his Major League debut. A lot has happened in the last two weeks, both on and off the field for the Red Sox. And, and it seems like, um, you know, it's uh, no matter what's going on, even with a really bad team and a, and a really uh, short season. There has been a lot to unpack. We had obviously the trade of Heath Hembry and Brandon Workman going to the Phillies. We had um, this week the players deciding not to play the last game in Buffalo to protest racial injustice and um, a lot to get to with Chris. Um, uh, first off, uh, let's let's get to, you know, really the story of the week. I mean, I, I think this is, as we've seen a lot in 2020, it's completely unprecedented to see you know, these types of uh, of movements and players and teams sitting out games completely. I know, you know, Thursday was unlike any day that, that we've covered, um, you know, not having a game and, and uh, for the reasons that there were. So just overall, um, you know, how striking to you was, was that the decision by not just the Red Sox, but everybody throughout sports and, and how meaningful of a moment was that? Yeah, I mean, I think everything starts with the NBA nowadays, you yeah. know. Um, mm-hmm. They're the league with, a lot of vocal athletes who want change and you know whether it's lebron or even jalen brown you know is very uh vocal and you know obviously drove from boston to atlanta you know to to do a um you know to do a rally or a protest um and so i think that you know everything starts i mean we even saw a coronavirus shut down sports it started mm-hmm. with basketball and so they're an influential league right now um, you know, I think they're second, you know, behind the NFL right now. But in terms of, you know, players that have voices, they're number one. Yep. And so, um, you know, I think we what we saw is, you know, after that happens, then the other leagues follow. And, and MLB, you know, followed. And, um, you know, uh, MLB is relatively at this point <laughs> a following sport. You know, yep. they're not going to that. They're, they're just not a sport right now that's going to go out and take that stand. And, you know, unfortunately, there's there was 7.8 percent, you know, African-Americans on opening day rosters. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there is some diversity, obviously, in Major League Baseball with, you know, Latin players, players from Japan play. You know, there's there's play they're scouting areas all over, but they obviously need to, you know, increase the interest in you know the urban areas um among you know black kids in america that's tough thing though because you know the popular sports right now or it's you know baseball is a very difficult sport to um you know make a lot of money right away right right (laughs) i mean you can make a lot of money in baseball obviously but and you can make it a lot more money in baseball than maybe football and stuff. But the immediate money, if you're talented and you're an athlete and you're really good, comes in, you know, football and, and basketball, mm-hmm. you know, immediately. You know, those sports don't have 
I mean, you have the D League, or what is it, the D League or the F League? The G League. League. Definitely not the F League. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, they have the G League, but all the, you know, the real players immediately start up in the NBA Mm -hmm. if you have real talent. And the same goes with with football. There's no, you know, feeder program except for, you know, the the college football. So I think that a lot of athletes look at that. And, um, you know, I think that I don't want to talk too much here, steal your thunder. But a lot of people say, you know, athletes like Jackie Bradley, um, you know, why are they oppressed? Um, <laughs> you know, the, they're making a ton of money. You know, what, why why do they feel oppressed in America? But, you know, they grew up in families that, you know, didn't make a lot of money. Um, they have, um, you know, faced racial discrimination in their life before and probably now. And. And they also have, you know, family and they and they have a responsibility um, to their community, I feel, or they they feel like they have a responsibility to their community because they have a platform, you know, to use it. And so while people always, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, these athletes, they shouldn't speak and we should just stick to sports and yada, yada, yada. And they're making a ton of money, so why why would they kneel for the national anthem and, and not love America? Mm-hmm. I think we need to I think we need to to realize that they're doing it because they actually have powerful voices as opposed to people that are you know the the really oppressed people don't have powerful voices at all, and they're doing it for them, and they're doing it. I mean, there's people in their families that aren't rich. There's people you know, and so I I'm all for it. I think it's great what they're doing. Uh, they're bringing awareness. They've they made me think differently about yep. a lot of things. I think you tweeted that out too, didn't you? That you mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, I think they they are making change, and but you know, change doesn't happen overnight, obviously. Yeah, a couple things, and and you know, obviously, um, it's been the story of the week, and we heard from Bloom and Sam Kennedy about it last night. Um, but I think you know, two things for me. Number one, fans like to have it both ways, where they say these guys are overpaid. They make too much money to play a game. And then, you know, when, uh, you know, this is not all fans, obviously, but when they step up and take on a more active role as a leader in society, well, no, you know, the shut up and dribble folks come out or or I want (laughs) these guys to entertain me and be a distraction. You can't have it both ways of saying they make so much money and they don't deserve it for playing a game. And then when they step off the court and try to have an impact, um, you know, criticize them for that. I think that, that's a that's a hypocritical thing that you you constantly see, and, and to me, I think the the most striking. Um, it, I will say, I think you know it's been a tough year for Ron Renicky. I don't think the team struggles are his fault. I think he's made some questionable moves. I think, um, obviously, it's uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to be around here long. But what he said uh, on Thursday after the game was canceled and, and what he um, the message he had and how as emotional as he was you know after saying that he's learned a lot about this as a 64 year old guy who's been through everything in baseball and a lot in life I, I thought that was his best moment as the Red Sox manager oh yeah he was he was tearing up on the zoom call with us he obviously you know was really taking this to heart and really um, you know supportive of his players especially Jackie and, and you know some of the other guys in the clubhouse so um I thought that was really impressive. And the thing that stood out to me was his quote, like, you know, I, I think it would be hard to put it better um, saying, you know, if you're a kid at home tonight, you turn on the game and ask why, 
the Red Sox aren't on, it starts a conversation with your parents and why isn't the game on? And because um, that that is the point. Um, and another good quote from Haim yesterday was uh, baseball has taken a back seat in the last couple of days, even two or three days before the trade deadline. But but that is the point. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, it's, uh, you know, you're seeing you know, after after so long without sports, it, you know, the, these um these sports and these leagues, you know, it, they're finally back after so long of no, of nothing, and uh, they're still all willing to take a stand. We obviously saw the NBA take the lead with a couple of days off. The NHL was off, and um, and uh, you know, I think up to 20 baseball teams as well. So um, definitely, as as we keep saying in 2020, an unprecedented time, but one that that really does expand the responsibility of the athletes and. Um, you know, I think it's obviously Thursday is going to be a day that that n- neither of us will probably forget. Uh, very different than kind of the mundane, uh, you know, arguing about position battles or should Arauz be starting over Peraza and stuff like that. That when you really look at it, um, you know, there's a lot of perspective that I think a lot of us has gained in 2020. Um, I just think it's it's just uh, it's a completely completely different conversation. One that. Uh, I don't think we ever expected to have as sports writers. Um, you know, when you when you sign up to cover the Red Sox beat, you expect to be writing about you know the rotation and talking about how Chris Mazza was in and Brick Masonry as you as you did in spring training and those <laughs> types of profiles. And um, when it becomes deeper, it's definitely challenging, but also rewarding that um, you know they're people, these athletes and players are using their platform. You know, obviously through themselves, but obviously through us in a way too to get a, a bigger message out. Yeah, we're. I mean, you know, in a hundred years from now, I mentioned this to Jim on Slack the other day, or I wrote it to everybody. But like in a hundred mm-hmm. years from now, there's going to be history classes all about 2020 between, you know, how how much change there has been and how how people are finally taking a stand. Like we, you know, I mean, there's you know, obviously racism and uh, police brutality have you know happened for forever. You know, but yep. this is the most you've ever seen where athletes have taken a stand. And, you know, obviously the coronavirus is going to help in that course, too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, still, I mean, this is a really we're living through history right now. Yep. Uh, when you think about it, um, you know, our parents always talked about I don't know about your parents because my parents are a little older than yours. But, you know, mm-hmm. living through some of the protests during the Vietnam War and stuff like that. Um, this right here. This is we're living through history right now. We're living through a significant time in the country. And, um, you know, it's 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 pretty crazy to think that, like, you know, you know, in 100 years or, you know, 200 years, they're going to be like focused on this year. Yeah. And I think that there are, uh, you know, with with both the pandemic and, you know, all this, there's a lot of, you know, where were you when moments, you know, that, that you don't I think about, you know, I'm like then the last age group ever that that remembers 9-11 because I was in kindergarten and like I'm older for my I was always older for my grade so like half of the people I grew up with remember it and half of them don't um but you know that's a moment and then you know some other ones throughout history and I feel like there's been you know a lot of those in the last year so definitely I think it's cool one more point I think it's cool that like you said Renneke like that was a signature moment for him or or it was Mm -hmm. like we got to see his personality. Yeah, you know, which we haven't really thinks. all year. And I think that, you know, at hard times, the past two managers that the Red Sox have had, we've gotten to see how they, you know, interact with their team and how they are actual leaders. You know, I didn't know Renneke was that much of a leader yeah. until I, you know, I saw him crying or, or, you know, 
breaking down a little bit during the press conference. I mean, we saw Alex Gore after Nick Cavado's death, you know, mm-hmm. delivered a, the exact a same six thing. or seven minute passionate speech mm-hmm. and, you know, to the media. And then um, a couple of weeks later with, with Swihart too. Yeah. Or a few and days later. So, um, you know, we've actually gotten to see where that's, you know, rare because I've covered a lot of managers on this team, even, mm-hmm. you know, going back to Terry Francona, and we really haven't seen how they actually communicate with their players or, or how they lead as, as, you know, as managers or men. And we've actually gotten to see that with the last two managers. So, you yeah. know, it, it does give us a, a, a rare side. This is, you know, uh, that, that we've seen. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, as, like I said, um, you know, when I don't expect, I don't think any of us really expect the Ron Ranicki era as manager to go past this season. Um, it's going to be no. really easy to to move on, um, whether it's Cora coming back or not. But when you look back at it, um, I think people are going to remember that moment. I know it is for me so far the signature moment. Um, so an, an important conversation, one that hopefully is not going to end. Um, and, and we're seeing, you know, baseball never really takes the lead on these things, but it seems like they are more. We had Jackie Robinson day yesterday. Um, yeah, but as as Heim Bloom said, there is still business to take care of, and the Red Sox are perhaps the most interesting team in baseball at the trade deadline. So I do want to get to that, even though it pales in comparison definitely to, to the other things we're talking about. Um, since we last were on here, the Red Sox made uh, a pretty significant trade, um, probably the second biggest uh, trade they've made, at least since I've been on the beat, unless we count the Sandy Leone to the Indians for cash blockbuster. <laughs> Um, no, I think they got a player back in there, but, um, obviously Heath Embry and Brandon Workman go to the Phillies. Um, Connor, C- Connor Siebold, I don't it doesn't really matter, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and then two pitchers and Nick, Nick Pavetta and Connor Siebold coming back. Um, you know, I think it, it, it came up on us quick. It was kind of like, you know, we started seeing the rumors that afternoon and it happened and, um, on my night off, which is great. Um, but it was, uh. It was the type of deal that, that is uh, as much of a white flag as you can put up in the 2020, 2020 season. I think it's clear the Red Sox are not going to make the playoffs, and um, they're willing to get worse in the short term to get better in the long term. But I thought it was impressive that they were able to get you know two guys that are pretty close to the majors. And, and I think you know from the reports I've seen, and even John Heyman, um, I know, Chris, you didn't see this because John has you blocked on Twitter, which I'd like to tell everyone. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, I mean, let's just put it this way. I've never spoken to John Heyman. I've never interacted with him on Twitter, so I don't know why I'm blocked. So let's just <laughs> let's just put that out. Well, he said that he's been hearing good things about Seabold, um, who is the uh, minor leaguer, who's a high draft pick, I think third or fourth round, who came back. Obviously, kind of the the, the storyline is on Pavetta, but this is exactly the type of trade that um, you know the Red Sox are looking for diamonds in the rough in, and pitching wise. I would say almost none of them have worked out here in the waiver claims and the scrap heap guys. Um, maybe Phillips Valdez is the exception there. Um, but this is, this is, you know, the best, the best pitcher that I think Heim has added since he's been in town. Uh, Nick Pavetta is a guy that is a perfect change of scenery candidate, has a lot of talent, couldn't figure it out in Philadelphia, but for, um, a, a month of one reliever and a year and a month of another reliever who, um, you know, are, are, are not needed on a bad team. I think it was a really good return, honestly. And I, I think you do too. Yeah, Seabolt is an interesting guy. Um, you know, I've heard some good things, obviously, about him, too. And, and I think he really impressed everybody in the Arizona Fall League last year. Um, and so he's he's an interesting person to, to watch going forward. And, you know, you put him up with some of the other guys that they have, 
you know, everybody thinks that the the um, you know the, the the system is in a state of disarray. You know, but five of their top ten prospects are pitchers. If if we ever see uh, you know Noah Song, I mean, I think he's the best of them all. Um, you know, the guy that's in the Navy. And so if we see him, I mean, you know, and, and you know, there's there's definitely some talent. Um, you know, they, they did a really good job with, uh, you know, drafting Thad Ward. And so I think that Bloom's objective, this um, trade deadline, needs to, to add more to that. You know, he, yeah. needs to, you know, he got Siebel. Now he needs, you know, there's a rumor out there that he's looking at some of the pitchers that he knows very well in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know, for for a potential trade of of Christian Vasquez for some pitching prospects in Tampa or a pitching prospect at least. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that that's going to be the the focus because this team, you know, has not produced, uh, has not drafted and developed, and you know, we saw that with, with Brian Johnson. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, he's a guy that was and a even even your pick. your pal Mike Schwarren, who's who was DFA Anthony, last week, Anthony like, Renato. I mean, the list goes on and on for the amount of first round uh, pitchers that they've drafted Owens, you know, over the last decade. Yep, and um, and so I think that they do have some good pitchers Obviously, in the system ball. right now. Yeah, oh, ball's huge. Um, and so uh, I they they you know they obviously do have some good pitchers in the system right now. Um, you know, with Thad Ward and, and Noah Song and, you know, Jason Guru. I mean, he just turned 22. It's not like he's right. really old. I mean, he's got a really good curve, a really good curveball. Mm-hmm. And I think that Hauk will probably end up in the bullpen, but, you know, maybe he's a starter. So they do have some some people. Did you but mention I think Mata? That, yeah, I mean, Mata's the best one of them all, and I didn't right. mention him. So, you know, so there you go. And so, um, you know, I think, but I think that the the real objective, I think, for Bloom will be to add uh, starting uh, prospects, starting pitching prospects, because that's really what's lagged in this system. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good return. You know, I think, uh, and you're seeing, um, you know, these trades are you kind of you have to trade out of the 60 man pool or have it be a player to be named later. Um, I expect obviously they're going to make more trades in the coming days, but but so far that's a pretty good one. Um, obviously the criticism. Uh, even though I actually strong, I like I like the return for Mookie a lot. I think Verdugo is great. I think Downs is going to be good, and and Wong is is no slouch. I mean, he's a legitimate prospect who can be versatile and, and seems like a a guy who could really help you out. Uh, they didn't get a pitching prospect back. That's obviously tough when you're seeing kind of the the guys they're trotting out there this season. Um, but the focus is obviously on pitchers and and just compiling as many as they can. So. Um, uh, that's a good, obviously we haven't seen either of those guys in the big leagues yet. seems like Pivet is a candidate to start uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks. So there's some service time considerations there. Um, and as I'm bloom and his staff look to make more trades, I think, uh, we're, we're going to see the pitching be the focus. So we are recording this on Saturday afternoon, um, before the Red Sox take on the nationals in Fenway. Um, try to get it up quickly, um, but there's a chance that by the time this goes up, uh, some of the guys we're about to talk about will actually be traded because we are two days away from the trade deadline, um, and I think it's yeah, it's the 29th, so uh, 48 we're like 49 hours away, um, and I think all the stuff we saw this week with the with the you know striking, not playing games, uh, the focus on. Um, racial injustice and everything has delayed the trade market a little bit. We've seen a couple of smaller moves. Tommy Listella went to Oakland last night. Jared Dyson got traded. Um, but the Red Sox for for have not done anything since the Workman Hembry trade, and they have 
uh, a lot of candidates that are left. So we're going to play uh, kind of a rapid fire game here because I don't want to keep Chris too long and, and we're going to have to start doing our pregame stuff. Um, are, are you off today or I am off. All right. Well, then I'll have to start doing the pregame stuff pretty soon. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm always on call, though. I'm yeah. Like a if they make a trade, you're on. <clears throat> but <laughs> yes. um, like a doctor, what an, what an overreach of your ability. <laughs> It's um, unbelievable how highly I think of myself. Huh? Like yeah, a doctor. You're the only one. Come on. Um, Come on, rapid fire me. Well, you know, I I, I posted the other day and, and wrote a long piece on who I think is going to get traded from the Red Sox and, and kind of separating them into tiers of uh, who I thought was going to get dealt. I know I, I sent you the list and we talked a little bit about it, but just to, just to kind of um, – and this is, I think, even changed in the last couple of days. Tier one I had as good as gone. I had four players that look like, you know, they're short-term guys. They're veterans. They're going to draw interest. I had Barnes, uh, Jackie Bradley, Mitch Moreland, and Kevin Pillar. John Tomasi from NBC, NBC Sports Boston made a, a a blunt but really good point, as he often does, and was saying um, it is harder now for the Red Sox to trade Jackie Bradley, even though he's a free agent at the end of the year because of the events of the last couple of days and how he emerged as the leader. I completely buy into that and wouldn't be surprised if, if they keep him um, – you know, not just as a direct result of that, but there is something to be said for keeping the leaders and keeping your veterans around. Mitch Moreland talking about starting a charity, and that was a big piece of what Renicky talked about the other day, too. Maybe he sticks around in, in that kind of role. I mean, I think they're going to look at this and say, you know, if these guys, even if, you know, they're not going to provide that much value on the field um, in long term. I mean, Bradley's a free agent at the end of the year. Moreland's under an option. Maybe what they can provide to the clubhouse and the community is worth holding on to them. Um, but I do think out of that group, I think, and, and you know, I would like to hear your thoughts, obviously. I think Barnes, who is apparently drawing interest from the Astros, as we wrote last night, um, from the Athletic and uh, Pilar are guys who I would be shocked if they are in a Red Sox uniform as of uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, both of them, yeah, definitely. In terms of like, you know, I also thought of that with Mitch Moreland. You know, he's, he's talked about starting a charity for, you know, racial or um you know social justice awareness and everything and, and all of a sudden you know they trade him is that a bad look but i think that you know and you know obviously with with jackie bradley he's their only african-american player on the team and you know and he's been a huge leader over the past and he's been asked to be a huge leader by his team over the past you know uh week and so um but i think that you know you have to take the belichick approach and you know you have to think like you know, you can't think about what the fans want. You can't think about yeah, what public perception is. Yeah, that's why they're not going to resign Brock Holt. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Yeah, you can't think about what public perception is. I mean, they're t- 10 and 22 going into Saturday night. I think that's a 313 winning percentage. They mm-hmm. need to be a better team. And if if trading Jackie Bradley gets you a return, if trading Mitch Moreland, which he's actually a very, you know, a, a, a potential good trade chip because he has an option remaining, uh, an option year remaining. And so it will be more controlled than just a month. Um, Martin Perez is another one of those guys with. Yeah, we'll control. get to him in a second. And so um, I think you have to do it. I, I just I just think that you need to look past what the uh, what the outside people think, because, you know, you're trying to run a baseball and base uh, baseball team and baseball is more most important, you know, to, to what Heim Bloom's, you know, descri- job description is. Yeah. And with a 10 and 22 team and, uh, and a guy in a president, Sam Kennedy, who's saying that they'll, you know, compete next year. He has to make moves. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's true. That that brings us to a guy you just mentioned, Martin Perez. I, I know he got uh, shelled last night, um, and he seems like a strong trade candidate too. I, I kind of tend to believe that, um, you know, in a season where every start matters, I, I don't know if his value lessened. I know I saw Rob Bradford wrote today, Martin Perez, welcome to the 2021 Red Sox rotation. <laughs> I, I saw that, that too. Funny. I just saw yeah. the headline, and I was like, yeah, I know what that story's about. Yeah, which I, I don't know. I, I have him. I have Perez and, and J.D. Martinez in the complicated cases where, you know, I could see them keeping them for 2021 and trying to compete. I could also see them trading them. Martinez's contract is a little complicated. If I were to guess, I'd say Perez goes and Martinez stays. What about you? Yeah, uh, Perez. And it's funny because Perez loves Boston. Like he even mentioned yeah, on he a does. Zoom call. He even mentioned on a Zoom call last night after the game. He was like. I told I keep telling my agent how much I, I feel like this is a fit. And, right. you know, he doesn't want to be traded. He's like Vasquez, who Vasquez came out <laughs> and said, I do not want to be traded. I want to right. end my career with the Red Sox. But, um, he, you know, he's definitely, you know, you think about it. And I wrote about this, like, la- I think it was last week where, you know, you, you want, I mean, you're going to get Chris Sale back next year at some point, you would, you would assume, uh, whether it's midseason or whenever. You're going to have Eduardo Rodriguez back, um, you know, from his, you know, minor heart ailment, whatever has resulted from the coronavirus. You are, you know, going to probably add a starting pitcher from the free agent market or trade, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably a, Bauer, a, good, a good major league one. Yeah. And I think Trevor Bauer is an interesting name. And, I just have to say this. Trevor Bauer, you know, there's a lot of things that rub people the wrong way about Trevor Bauer. There's, we did a whole podcast on it. The fact on his UCLA visit, this is bothers the hell out of me. On his UCLA visit, he went to a game, a home basketball game for UCLA, which is like, you know, one of the most storied programs in the country, obviously. And yeah. they gave him a UCLA hat to wear. And he stuck to his guns and wore a Duke hat for the game just because he wanted to, you know, be difficult. I don't think they were playing Duke, but he just wanted to, and that to me, between the, just the whole thing, it's just had to turn off because of the. I yeah, mean, that, that's asked, the, that's I was the actually exact... listening to. Well, I was listening to MLB Network, and and they were like, you know, does his um, vocalness and and you know his personality make him, you know, make fewer suitors for him this this coming off season? And he's also and, committed to that thing where he's only going to sign a one year deal. I think. What's that? He has a thing where oh, okay. he's only going to sign a one-year deal. He's like, as a bet oh. with a friend where he's only, I wonder if he'll stick to that or not. Probably not. But that just sums up bandwagon Duke fans for you, the absolute worst. But yes, I think, so, the, I think the Red Sox could, could sign a really good starter. I don't think they'd want to do that on a one-year deal though, but. Yeah. And we talk about like, uh, you know, this coming off season. Well, it's good that, you know, it gets to August uh, 31st and, you know, the, the CBT will reset. Well, you know, we don't actually know how Bloom's going to operate, you know, as a as a as a um, as a chief baseball officer. I mean, he mm-hmm. might, you know, he might not want to rush out and sign a, uh, you know, a big pitcher like, you know, obviously Dave Dombrowski. He's in a similar situation to Dave Dombrowski when Dave Dombrowski turned over. He needed a, you know, he needed a pitcher, and Dombrowski went out and paid for David Price. Well, you know, we're seeing Bloom come from, you know, Tampa Bay, where he was under Andrew Friedman, who, you know. Mookie Betts is the first nine-digit contract he's given in how many years? And so yeah. I think we could see a totally different thing where the CBT, the CBT isn't like even, 
you know, they, they get under it and everything and, and they're, you know, it's great that they're not going to pay the taxes, but maybe they don't even go out and get a big free agent this off season anyway. Maybe I, you know, I could see him pulling off a trade, um, yeah. you know, for a starting pitcher. But I think overall, you know, the starting pitching is going to be a lot better next year. Martin Perez could definitely help. Out. I mean, he's not a great number two starter, but he'd be a really good number four or five. And yeah, I mean, as, as it looks right now, at some point next year, you'll have Sale, Erod, Evaldi, Perez, and Pavetta as your. I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, and you know, you look at that and you're like, okay, oh, or you, yeah, you said Evaldi, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so you look at that, and Evaldi has been asked, and Perez has been asked to be one and two, and and you know, and and they're going to be like, you know, more three, four, four, five, depending on if they add somebody else to the mix, and so. Um, you know, you look at it and you think, well, Perez is valuable to keep next year because he's only on what? He's he's got a five million dollar option or six million. I yeah, six point two five. And so it's like, okay, well, he's valuable to keep next year. But you know, I think that Bloom also needs to, and he will look is the is the um, is the return that he can get for him with prospects, potentially pitching prospects. Um, you know, more valuable than than what. Martin Martin Perez would give them next year at 6.25 to be a yeah. fourth or fifth starter. Yeah, I, I could see them keeping him for sure. I, I I go back and forth on that one. That's kind of in the 50-50 tier. I did skip over a tier in my article. Um, the no-lose trade candidates. This is a group of guys that are, hey, if a team has interest, you have really nothing invested in them, just ship them out, get a prospect in return. Uh, Brazier, who has looked good on the field uh, <laughs> recently with uh, – <laughs> The, yeah, his fastball's uh, been really good. Fastball's been good. I mean, and then a couple of relievers who have been good at times, Austin Bryce and Josh Osich. Um, and then two guys that I think really could get traded that nobody's talking about, Phillips Valdez. He's had a great year. Um, they literally claimed him off waivers in March. Devil's advocate here. You get a, you get 10 good outings out of a waiver claim, uh, a one ERA. A team looking for a reliever might want him. You invested nothing in him other than the waiver claim at a 40-man spot. Why not trade him for a prospect? I know he's under control for a while. Who knows if they view him um, as a long-term guy. I know the peripherals aren't great. And the other guy is Kevin Ploiecki. Offensive catchers are have been horrible. You know, Kevin Ploiecki could be a good offensive cont- uh, catcher for a contender. You do have him under control for a couple years. So those are a couple guys that nobody's really talking about that I think could move. Um, you know, we talked about Martinez and Perez. And then this is, I think, the most interesting tier to me. Uh, tier 4 probably staying, but the Sox are going to listen. Um, the guys that stand out on this list, I have Peraza and Chavis, who I would kind of be surprised if either of them moved at this point. Um, you know, Chavis's value, he's just so streaky that you, you, you don't know what you're going to get. I don't know if the Red Sox want to give up on someone with his talent level. You know how good he is when he's on uh, this early in his career. Then I have Evaldi, who um, I don't think is going to get traded, especially now that he's hurt. You know, teams don't really probably want to deal with that um, whole process uh, now that he's you know, not pitching this weekend. And then the final two, I think, are the Red Sox, two most interesting trade candidates, period, uh, Christian Vasquez and Andrew Benintendi. It seems like they are seriously entertaining the idea of trading Vasquez, as you wrote last night with the Rays being interested. Benintendi's value could not possibly be lower. I don't – it doesn't sound like he's yeah. going to come back for a lot, of, I mean, this season. And I mean, he, he might not play this, the right. rest of the season. <clears throat> and he hit 103 when he was on the field. So I, I kind of yeah. would doubt he gets dealt. But Vasquez, it seems like every day, it seems a little more likely to me. Yeah, and it's an interesting situation with Vasquez because, you know, after you have really no minor league catchers, you have Connor Wong, 
Um, but he has a high strikeout rate in the minors. You really don't. He, he's the never played in the major. not bad, right? Yeah, they did get him. Who they get him for? I, I'm Lake, Lakens, think. I think. Yeah, Lakens. It was Lakens. And so they do have a couple guys, but they have no guys. Like, you know, I mean, you, you're looking at it, and you're like, well, they could sign, you know, um, uh, you know, somebody in the offseason. Who's the who, – Ramudo. Yeah, yeah. Ramudo. Yeah. Um, and so they could go after him, but there's no guarantee they're going to sign him. And, um, yeah. you know, and so by trading Vasquez, you're trading away – a valuable catcher, both defensively and offensively, who's under control and not making a ton of money for the next couple of years. And so it's it's a little risky if you trade him away and then you have nothing. It's not it's not that important this year that you have nothing because you're not going anywhere. But, mm-hmm. you know, going into next year, you have to figure out who's his replacement. But if they can get valuable pitching pieces for him, I think you do it. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance they could. And lastly, and this is, to me, you know, there's been a lot of talk about a lot of these guys. Who's untouchable? Could Bogarts be traded? I think there's zero shot of that. I've kind of thought that all along. But I have the virtually untouchable guys. Um, they're Chris Sales in the, in the mix just because, you know, he doesn't have any value. He's not going to get traded while he has Tommy John. I have Josh Taylor in this mix. I think he's a the guy they're going to build a bullpen around. Darwin's and Hernandez is obvious. I think they're going to might look at him as a starter later in the year or a, a multi-inning reliever in the future. And then the guy, the guys that I consider really the big four on this team are the guys you're really going to build around. Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo, and Eduardo Rodriguez. I'd be shocked to see any of those guys dealt. And I, I uh, even though the rumors have been out there a little bit, especially on Bogarts. Yeah, I don't think like with Bogarts and we we talked earlier about how, you know, it's a bad look uh, or it's a bad look if you trade Jackie Bradley right now or Mitch Moreland because of what they've said over the last week or how they've been leaders. But, you know, you've got to take the bad look out of it. You have to think about the baseball first and and foremost and not. And so obviously trading um, Xander Bogarts would be bad optics, especially after you traded Mookie Betts this past offseason. However, it yeah, goes there'd, beyond there'd be, that. There'd be a legitimate goes, revolt there. It, it goes beyond, though, the public. I, I think that when you look at it, I mean, he is a guy that wants to be here. He just signed an extension at the beginning of last year, and mm-hmm. he's he's committed to Boston. He likes this place. It's not like Mookie Betts where he was like, I, you know, and he, and he has Scott Boris as his agent, you know, who yeah. takes pretty much everybody to free agency. So he's committed to you. He It's like it would be like the Yankees trading, and I'm not saying that Bogarts is as good as Derek Jeter, but I'm saying he's the best. Like, he's the best franchise in Red Sox history. I mean, the best shortstop in Red Sox franchise history, and people don't really realize that. Yeah, so it would be like trading uh, the Yankees trading Derek Jeter in his prime. It's like that that shouldn't happen with a big market team. They yeah. should keep their and they they should keep their big their best players, and they should be able to pay them. You know what they deserve throughout the rest of their careers. And they should retire as Red Sox. As a big market team who's won four World Series titles in the last how many years, mm-hmm. they should be able to do that. So um, I think that it's not it's not the optics of the fans and what the fans think. I think it's just they're a big market team. they got to keep this guy. I agree. And I think they will, here, at least for the next couple of days. And we'll see once his opt-out gets closer and where the team is there. But, but for now, I think he stays. So 
gut check, you get right over 48 hours before the deadline. I would have said Workman was a lock to go even before he was dealt. Embry was a little bit of a surprise, but who cares? Um, I think Barnes is is the easiest of all the, the yeah. bullpen guys. I'm surprised he didn't go in the Philly deal instead of Embry. <clears throat> so who do you think who do you think goes before four o'clock on Monday? Give me give yeah, me your I names. Yeah, um, as I said, Barnes. I think that. Um, you know, Vasquez is definitely a can- strong candidate. I think Moreland will go. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin Pillar is definitely, you know, uh, a guy that he showed that he can provide elite defense. And, you know, over the last couple of years, he's he's been a pretty good hitter. And so he could be a valuable person. I mean, you're not going to get a ton back for a guy like that because he's only under control for a month. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I mean, it's it's a different deadline than any other. Right. Um and I think that the season but he will provide, he provides you more value in one prospect than one month of him on a bad team. So exactly. And so, um, you know, even if it, it's, it's going to be a mid-level prospect, but it's like, well, you know, maybe that mid-level prospect turns out. And, um, and so, uh, I think that you have to, you have to do that. You know, you have to go out and deal those guys. And I, 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 you know, I don't know what the market is for Jackie Bradley. I don't know what the market is for Mitch Moreland. But, you know, for them, those guys. But, you know, a guy like Martin Perez, I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that they're saying they need a starting pitcher. And so and he and from his uh, from his second to his sixth start, uh, so four or five straight starts, he had an ERA two this year. Right. Obviously, yes, last night was not a good night mm-hmm. for him. But um, he's a reliable pitcher and he could help. I would have and said the same thing about Evolve. Peripherals and the advanced stuff is teams that absolutely love that on him. Yeah. And it, Hard yeah. hit rate and all that. That's why the yeah. Red Sox signed him. Yeah. And I mean, his batting average against going in, and I love to look at batting average against. Um, his batting average against going in the last name was like 198. So, I mean, he has he has pitched up to now what his 600. ERA is. <laughs> you could, it's unbelievable the amount of the batting averages against on this team. There's like, Godley's going to pitch instead of Avaldi. So I went to look at his stats yesterday and, you know, to write that in the article. He has a like a batting average against like 360. Avaldi <laughs> uh, um, has a batting average against uh, right near 300. And he's been like their, you know, him and Perez have been their two most consistent pitchers. And his, his batting average against is almost 300. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I think Barnes goes. I think Pilar goes. Um, I, I, I don't, I think. Moreland and Bradley stay, actually. And I think Vasquez is 50-50, and I think one of those surprise guys, whether it's Ploiecki or Valdez, or maybe one of those guys gets yeah, you make thrown in another them. I really didn't really think about them. So, yeah, those, that's a good point with them. So 48 hours and 45 minutes uh, as, as we're wrapping this up to go. Um, and uh, a series against the Nationals. Obviously, you know, I was just talking to a friend. Uh, I have historically bad luck with seeing good pitchers in person. Chris Smith gets Max Scherzer last night in the game he gets to cover. I don't even know who's pitching for them tonight. Um, but it, also the Red Sox have faced Scherzer, Cole, and uh, DeGrom this year, and I have not seen any of them in person in the games that I've covered. So I'm glad that's continuing into 2020. So a good discussion with Chris. I hate to give him credit, but it was um, on a lot of different topics. I'm sure we'll be back on here talking more once the trade deadline is wrapped up and we have a better sense of, of who went where, what the Red Sox get back. So a very busy 48 hours ahead for both of us. That's Chris Smith. I'm Chris Catello, and uh, we appreciate you listening.